This is Female Focus with Audio Technica. For people that don't know, Sybil is the founder of Independent Venue Week and Can You Kick It, which is a community interest company which runs Independent Venue Week in the UK. And um, just a bit about Independent Venue Week. It's a seven-day celebration of music venues around the UK and the USA and a sort of nod to the people that own, run and work in them. That's right, isn't it? That's exactly it, yeah, that's it. Okay. Um, so just to kind of kick off with, um, what what made you start this in the first place? Why did you fi- found it? Well, I, I'd worked across many different sectors of the industry, and I, and I saw a number of areas very often celebrated or championed, um, but the only thing I could really see for venues was a competition, which just always felt really antiquated and out of place. Mm. And... And, and Nesley was really, you know, digging deep and, and shining the spotlight on the work that the people that own and run the venues do because it's so much more than just this is the best venue in the country. Well, if it happens year on year, they can't be the best venue in the country. And who votes for those things? Because actually somebody like in Aberdeen who's voting for their local venue isn't even probably ever been to the joiners in Southampton. So I, I wanted something that was going to be a bit more of a recognition and supportive and, and actually so many venues work together. So independent venue week, I, I, I sort of modeled on the record shop, record store day idea. Um, but because so much of what goes on in a venue varies across the week, you know, Mondays and Tuesdays tend to be local bands or open mic nights. Mm. And then as you go through the week, you get bigger bands coming and touring artists. So it felt right to, for this, for the project to run for a week. And it was just really to open up and say to people, look at look at the work that these venues are doing. Look how great a night out you'll have. And I think the other thing was, of course, is that, yes, there are a number of challenges facing venues. But I think if you want the circuit to survive and thrive, the best way to do that is to go rather than wait till a venue is threatened with closure. Yeah. You know, and then people come out of the woodwork. Well, where were they for the last year? How many gigs did they go to? So... The, the, the ultimate game was to say, you know, go to a gig. If you're going once a year, go twice a year. If you're going once a month, go twice a month. And just have the best night out. Um, and, and, and appreciate the venues for what they are, because they're so much more than spaces for just live music. Yeah, and I think you're totally right about people sort of only noticing, you know, that they might miss it once there's a threat of it going, but it's not that mm. constant traffic, is it? Um, there is no replacement for a live gig and we often say this you know if you were to go to a venue where the same three bands are playing at the same time with the same crowd playing the same set if the bands are playing the same set both nights would be entirely different and and it's the thing that you can't put your finger on it's that thing where you have to be there to just to revel in it yeah and you can't replicate that and do you know what especially at this time when so many people are streaming shows online or they're playing sets from you know their bedrooms absolutely fantastic and it's keeping that live thing going but there is no replacement for being there in the room with people and I think that's the bit that nobody was talking about really and I think it was what we wanted was something very positive and celebratory we're not there to campaign or lobby we're not there to you know be about fighting with their states just a great night out yeah and um how do the companies and venues get involved um with an independent venue week the venues, it's totally free for the venues to sign up. When it was just me in the beginning, there were 17 venues, and we look back now and laugh at how much work went into putting the first one on because it was just me, and each venue only did one night. 
But once we announced the plans, we had a number of venues asking if they could take part. And over the years, more and more have signed up. And I think what's been really lovely about the project is just discovering places in the country that we didn't know about, small towns and villages. And venues that aren't on the national touring circuit because they're either not big enough or they're not in a major city centre, but who are providing a cultural hub spot for their local community. And that's that's been a really wonderful discovery. So venues can just approach us. All the details are online. You just drop us an email, say you want to take part. We have a code of conduct, mm-hmm. um, which outlines you know how we work, what what people can expect from us, and what we expect from them. It doesn't cost them anything to join. Yeah, you know, we don't we don't allow any free shows. I think there's so much free in this world. We want there to be a perceived value about people walking through the door and yeah. turning up to something. And very often, if the show is free and there's bad weather or somebody can't be bothered then they don't turn up and live music being in a venue has a value and I think it's really important that we reflect that so we're getting more and more venues sign up every year and it's just really it's really heartwarming to see how the whole thing has grown and you know then seeing it um, taking it over to the states and seeing it grow over there it, it has been equally wonderful yeah, and it's interesting what you said about finding venues that you didn't know about because um, I had a little bit about look at your research when you said um, 88% were outside of London, of, you know, with a recent take-up. Um, did that surprise you? Um, I don't know if it surprised us. I just think it's really lovely because, you know, in the early days we got a little bit of criticism from people saying, oh, you're only focused on London. And we never, never were. Even in year one when it was just me, I made sure there were, we had 17, well, we tried to put 18 venues. We lost one a couple of weeks before the, the project started. But mm. it was very important from day one that this was a national project. So we made sure we had venues, one in each of the nations, and then the others spread around the country. So we only had one in London. Year two, we went from 17 venues in year one to 91 venues in year two. And it was really important to me that um, – we opened it up and anybody could then, and after the first year, when I sort of found my feet with it and worked out a process, we were happy to open the doors and people could put on more than one show a week if they wanted to, and, and people did. And I think the other extraordinary thing is, and this is why I'm not a fan of the competition that, that has happened previously, is venues in the same locations, they, they get on well with each other by and large. They work together. They understand that they're there to support culture in their town or city, and, and that's been really important. And I think for the city centre venues that have thrived for so long and those, you know, in London that have done well, there are a huge number of spaces that matter enormously to the local communities. And I think the fact that so many are outside London is absolutely brilliant and not entirely unexpected, but see so many outside London, it's, it's just fantastic. Yeah, I totally agree with you because people sort of think of it as this hub of everything, which of course isn't the case. There's plenty of you know, vibrant music scenes in all different places in England. And as you've said, in America, of course, as well, because you've extended out to there, haven't you? Yeah, I, we, we've been looking at uh, uh, growth into international territories, and I'm, I'm absolutely shocking at languages. So it had to be somewhere that spoke English. So it was, <laughs> we, looked, well, we looked at Australia, but they were having a number of issues with the lockout laws. And whilst things are thriving in Victoria in New South Wales, specifically Sydney, and going up to Brisbane where the lockout laws were about to be introduced, Mm. it was going to be really restrictive. And somebody said to me, just run it in Victoria. And I said, absolutely not. When When this project comes to a country, it's so important that it's nationwide because we talk about a national project with a local feel. And as soon as you start to favor one area or one particular 
region, what you're doing then is excluding so many other parts of the country. And this is inclusive. What we're doing is talking about a circuit where um, artists can go and tour around the country, not just in one part of the country. Um, it just, it, so, it, so it needs to be national, and, and that's been crucial. And, and we did the same in America. We partner with a brilliant organization over there called Marauder. Um, and they, you know, I've known Moose that runs Marauder for about uh, 15 years, and it, it, it wasn't difficult to take him the idea and say, does he want to run it out there? Because he totally gets the independency, not just venues, but, but independent businesses in music and, and how important it is. And we did the same in America. We rolled out with 20 venues in year one, making sure that there was one venue in each location, putting on one show. And in the second year, he opened up and um, many more venues were invited to take part and they could all run multiple nights. So the model, even this early stage, is, is working well. And I think if we had more resource, both um, people resource and financial resource, we'd be rolling out more quickly around the around the world, but, but we don't. So we're just, we're not taking any backward steps. We're just taking our time and doing what we do well, we hope. Yeah, and of course you can only do it one step at a time. And like you said, you know, if you can only speak English, that does limit a bit. But for instance, Australia, um, do you think there is a plan for one day maybe trying to look at doing it there again and other English-speaking countries? Well, it's not just English-speaking countries. That's just my limitations as somebody oh. that can't get to the foreign languages. You know, we, we, we definitely want, we, you know, we're having discussions with people in other territories at the moment. But yes, it's interesting because the lockout laws in Sydney have now been lifted. What are, and, um, what, is the lo- what are the lockout laws? So the lockout laws, well, depending on who you speak to, and I have to be very careful what I say, but the lockout laws was, were designed to limit um, social gatherings in the evenings in certain parts of the city centre. So once once 11 o'clock hit, you could buy no more than four drinks. Um, if you went outside for a cigarette, you couldn't come back in. Um, past midnight, you could only buy two drinks. It became very restrictive. And I'm not saying very much by this, but the only place where you could go where the licensing wasn't restricted was the casino. Wow. So it does beg the question, how come the casino, who have a huge amount of money and influence, were able to continue operating? And it was only when the casino was uh, built and opened that these um, the lockout laws came into play. Uh, I don't think it takes much of a Miss Marple to work out what was going on there. But, you know, it is speculation from a legal point of view. But... Culture is so important. These these music venues are are about so much more than live music. And you know, when David Bowie died, so many of the pictures that were put up were him in his early days of his career, and he and he's standing there with fashion designers and poets and artists. And where better for these creative people to congregate and exchange ideas and come up with new ideas than music venues? Because it's they're such a heart of the community, and so much goes on there beyond just music and and that's why they're so important Mm, absolutely and I know you've got some really great ambassadors and you've had great ones so you've got Anna Calvey this year who of course is a you know singer musician and she recently did the score for Peaky Blinders and you've done Mm. uh, Frank Turner haven't you Wolf Alice Tim Burgess so um why uh why are they so passionate about this and um happy to champion the cause well it's it's interesting isn't it because I think what, what what we're doing is celebratory and we're saying to people, help us shine the spotlight on these places. And invariably, when you speak to somebody and say, would you be up for being ambassador? It's not about us as IDW. It's about saying, do you want to, do you want to champion the places where you learn your craft early on in your career? And, 
it's very difficult for them to say no unless they've got a you know a schedule clash or a diary restriction. It, it, of course they want to do it because they want to give something back and they want to say these places are important and let's celebrate them. And I think from that point of view, we've been incredibly fortunate to get, you know, some of my music heroes as well. Um, and the first year when we got Colin Greenwood, Radiohead uh, were, in, were between albums and, and nobody, they weren't really doing anything, so nobody heard much from them. And I told Colin about the project and he asked what he could do to help. And I said, well, maybe you could be an ambassador. And, you know, he was so kind and generous and, and, and took that role on for the very first time. And because, you know, Radiohead weren't busy with anything. He did a number of press interviews with us and for us. And, you know, the, the reach and the the message got out there, you know, far and wide. And, and what's been lovely with the ambassador role is to mix up the type of people that we have. So we've had artists very far down their careers, uh, people like Wolf Alice who are much earlier in their career, um, Adrian Utley from Portishead, um, and Nadine Shah who was, uh, you know, somewhere in between. And we also had Big Jeff who is a very well-known guitar in Bristol. He's very public about his anxiety and his learning disabilities. And to have a non-artist ambassador was a real a real opportunity for us to say a lot of people use culture uh, and, 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 and enjoy culture as a way to um, build their confidence, live more independently, deal with issues around anxiety. Um, and Jeff has done just that. In fact, this afternoon we, we've published the first day of his blog, he went on tour for Independent Menu Week in January. We, we went around the country with him, and he's kept a diary, and we're posting it every week. We put just put um, uh, day one up there, um, and he talks about what it means for him to be travelling around the country on his own, you know, being very independent. And, and I think what's really wonderful about that is Jeff is a brilliant writer. He's a fantastic painter. If you want to go and look on the website you'll see the paintings that he does live at shows now but I think also for people who face similar challenges to Jeff who have anxiety about going out on their own if they if they are reading and seeing what he's doing they may find that they also would perhaps feel a little bit more confident about going out and and, and going to a gig obviously not at the moment but in time going to a gig and, and meeting people and using that as a way to build their confidence we, we work with a brilliant organisation called Stay Up Late who run a gig buddy scheme. Um, so for a lot of people who have uh, support workers, those support workers finish early evening and they're not around to take them or be there when they go to a gig. So gig buddies set up. Um, and if you're somebody that likes to go to gigs and you'd like to buddy up with somebody who may face some challenges and want some support, they're there to help you. And it's been fantastic working with people like that and seeing them grow when we first started working with them I think they were just based in Edinburgh and now they're moving and growing around the country and that scheme is extending and it's allowing more people to go and enjoy music mm. and they sound like obviously some really great initiatives and um, of course at the moment uh, the, the current situation um, what what is the current climate for independent venues and what do you think is going to happen over the next few months it's incredibly difficult. It's by far and away the most crucial time that we've had in, in history for music venues. And I know things have been tough over the last few years, but at this point in time is make or break because so many people who own and operate venues do so on a skeleton staff. They have a lot of freelancers. There's a lot of people on um, um, uh, 
freelance uh, um, contracts because a lot of the sound engineers certainly work in the festival season over the summer or go on tours often. So a lot of the government support packages just don't touch the sides with these organisations, with these people. So, it's, it's you know, the venues are really going to struggle. And then you look at the crew as well that work there. So those freelance sound engineers, those freelance door staff and bar staff who are possibly students who have got other jobs who are just very passionate about music and come in and help out maybe two or three days a week at a venue or two or three days a month, they're also falling through the cracks. So I think what we're seeing now is really the most challenging time for venues to try and drum up support any which way they can. A lot of them have got their own crowdfunding pages, um, which we're hosting. We've got a dedicated page on the Independent Venue Week website where people can go and see who's got crowdfunding campaigns and donate to them. We're working with Music Venue Trust who launched um, uh, an emergency venue fund, which which collectively we're going, well, they're going to... um, some of the bigger artists who may have deeper pockets and some of the music organisations and tech companies that benefit so much from artist output. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's things that are happening that, that people can do to support the venues. People like Frank Turner has been doing his independent venue love shows where he will play uh, an album uh, live uh, via Facebook, I think it is, and he... Um, He's partnered up with a particular venue for each performance, and he you can crowd he's crowdfunding for the giving page, and he's he's raising on average about ten thousand pounds a show for a particular venue. So there's a lot of initiatives that are that are, yeah that are happening, um, and a lot of it is coming from people's pockets, you know, general public. And whilst that is fantastic, and we're so grateful, then there does need to be a significant amount more done from the government and from the world of culture to support these spaces because many of them won't be able to reopen. They just won't be the staff or the, you know, the the, the other thing is, of course, is that a lot of these bricks and mortar buildings are owned by various different types of people. So it's not a question of a blanket, you know, rent reduction. Some are owned by very greedy landlords who, you know, quite frankly, have been happy, you know, will be happy to see that, then you don't reopen because there's always a property developer in the background ready to come in and turn it into, you know, flats. Some are owned by um, people who are a little bit more sympathetic, whether it's a brewery or a different organisation. So there's no there's no one solution for all these venues, and I think that's what's making it slightly more complex. Mm-hmm. Is that everybody's having to fight their fight, you know, in their own individual way. But there is definitely support from the likes of Music Venue Trust and, and some of the things that we're trying to do, and from artists as well. But um, like you said, is there no sort of official government, perhaps assistant or something that all these venues can turn to or turn to as a resource? No, not specifically for venues, because I think we are in a in a unprecedented time, and I know a lot of people are using that word, but we really are. There is not one there's not one corner of society really that's not affected by this, yeah. apart from the very very top end who seem to be profiting from it. But let's not go there now. But yeah. I think so many areas are under a lot of stress for various different reasons, and I think it's very difficult to pick one area that you think should be um, prioritised over another. I think what what organisations are trying to do is just you know a lot of funders have pulled back all of their funding. And are focusing what funding they do have as emergency packages for their communities, which kind of makes sense because nobody knows when doors are going to reopen. Same for restaurants and bars. 
nobody knows when doors are going to reopen. So how do we keep the staff still earning money so that they're there when the doors do reopen? How do we make sure that the buildings can meet any obligations that they've got? Um, so I don't know how you differentiate. I don't know how you prioritise. It's, I, I it's an, un, an unthankful task, I think, really. But um, we're still, what are we, three, four, three weeks into this? Yeah, it so seems like it's been... Yeah, it seems like it's been a lot longer and we've got a we've got a hell of a long way to go. So I think a lot of deep breath, you know, being pragmatic about what needs to be done, um, and where people can support locally. You know, for us and for music venue trust, the public support goes directly to the venues and the bigger support needs to go to the big pots that, you know, the fund that music venue trust has set up as a charity so that, that can be redistributed in, in in a way that helps more venues where possible. And after the restrictions are lifted, whenever that may be, um, what do you think is the plan for Independent Venue Week going forward? Well, we're very, you know, the government introduced their very onerous coronavirus bill, which lasts for two years. And if you look at it in more detail, there are a number of restrictions. It's, it's, it's like it's got Dominic Cummings all over it, but the restrictions that are there for two years still anything beyond anything that's needed for this particular outbreak. Um, but our, our feeling is that um, public gatherings will be limited by number. Um, I don't think we'll see another Cheltenham or the O2 opening anytime soon, which, if you look at it, means that the places where arts and culture and music are going to be able to be enjoyed first off will be the grassroots music venues, yeah. which is why it's really important that we make sure that they're there ready to open when the restrictions are lifted. We are planning the next IBW. Um, we've been approached by venues, promoters, and agents who've all said, we need this more than ever. Mm-hmm. What are the dates? When is it happening? Can we get going with booking? So we will run Independent Venue Week from Monday the 25th of January to Sunday the 31st of January. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's very much on the cards. Um, it's very important to us that we are working with our community and our stakeholders to, to get whatever needs to be done done so that we can run the project then i think the other thing we had always anticipated was we were going to be announcing and rolling out our new program called yes we can Mm. yes we can is um activities that we will be working on either some of our own projects or partnering with people like um stay up late to run the gig buddy scheme um the dementia disco um working with um um other organisations that already have plans in place and activity in place, but the difference with uh, Yes We Can is to roll out activity into the venues during the day throughout the year across the country. So many venues are shut until around sort of four o'clock when loading happens, Mm. but there's so many people running community groups in local areas that don't have a premises to go to. And for us, Yes We Can was about bringing those people into these spaces, demystifying what some people's perception of music venues is opening them up and and just reinforcing that whole idea that music venues are very much cultural hubs they're very important assets in their local community and actually activity can happen in them during the day regardless of your age your income your background your capabilities anything that that allows you to have a space we want yes we can to be there to drive activity to the venue so they're more sustainable beyond just the live music that totally makes sense. And um, if you had a bit of advice, well, I guess advice or just something, you know, to say to these independent venues, you know, hang in there, um, what, what would it be? Well, I, oh, that's a tricky question, isn't it? Yeah. 
do do what you can to um, to garner local community and public support. Set up a crowdfunding campaign. Um, if you've got artists who've made a name for themselves that, that have a good relationship with you or had their early gigs with you, get in touch with them and ask them if they'll do a independent venue love streaming um, gig uh, where you can be the beneficiary. Um, and I think it's just, it's difficult, isn't it? Because so many people are facing funding challenges for themselves as individuals. So trying to keep the business side of things going you know, there's a lot of juggling going on. There's a lot of people out there who are home all day now with children. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a tough one, but I think, you know, it, getting people who have um, benefited from you being open in the past, whether it's people coming to gigs or artists who play, seeing what they can um, get from them, uh, you know, is probably the, the simplest and easiest way for the very, very short term to um, to find some support. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and telling us all about Independent Venue Week. And obviously it's a difficult time for you and everyone involved in that sector, isn't it? So um, we're happy to kind of spread the word as we can and, you know, spread a bit of help or just your thoughts in general to anyone that's involved in that sector at this time. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me on. That's all right. Thank you so much. Have a really great day. All right. Take good care. Bye-bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.